I'm Ari Schwartz, along with my co-hosts, Gabe Ibrahim and Ben Dull, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. On this episode, we are talking about the cutthroat roster cuts that just went down. our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w WNBA teams had to cut their rosters down to 12 players yesterday or two days ago depending on when you're listening to this episode let's discuss what went down and how we feel about it honored to welcome in to this episode gabe ibrahim and ben dull ben gabe how's it going what it do i'm good also i did want to point out that they had to cut down to get below the salary cap. So that meant some teams were going down to 11. Thank you for that insight. <laughs> ben, how's it, ben, how's it going? I'm good. I wish You're I, excited? I, wanted, I should have said something right away. I wanted to make sure me and Gabe talked at the same time. Right when he said something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen in this podcast. No, it definitely will. It definitely will. But we're going to dive in um, and... Well, I know we, we see eye-to-eye on some things, I think it's safe to say that uh, we're not perfectly eye-to-eye. We're on the same level opinion on a few of the happenings around the league, so I'm excited to kind of dive into things um, and just kind of see where everyone's mind's at, where the elite basketball minds covering the W feel uh, the various teams and the league is situated on this glorious 27th of May. Uh, let's hop right into it. I'm just going to say one line that in my mind kind of describes what happened to each of these teams uh, during this latest wave of the offseason, uh, what would have been training camp cuts. I don't even know what the hell we call them in this day and age. Um, anybody wants to chime in, feel free to hop in. Let me know your thoughts. If you agree, disagree, feel free to snap along if you're just like, damn, Arya's killing it, because I know you all will. <laughs> um, let's start off with the New York Liberty. I mean, I think for them, Maybe one of the more quote unquote shocking, surprising moves. But my one line at uh, Rashonda Gray is who I was getting at in that. Uh, but committing to having that young roster. And for me, I think this is a perfect situation for them to commit to that young roster. I know I'm going a little bit over the sentence, sorry. But just because, like, on what might end up being a wash of a season and you have all these young talents why wouldn't you kind of just put all your chips in the young talent basket? Um, that's my thought on, on the Liberty. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Gabe. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, you know, they, they obviously were going to commit to youth either way. Um, I think uh, they kind of, you know, we're going to, I'll talk a little bit more about Marine when we get to our next segment, but um, I think they, they would have liked to have uh, more choices there. Um, and I'm just, I'm concerned about them. Def, like stopping anyone at any point um and th- that's i guess that's by design though because like you're saying they really committed to youth moving on to the mystics for me they just kind of cleared up what they already had like they, they not, nobody besides their set roster because of salary cap issues because of the names who you know take up these roster spots there just wasn't much opportunity for movement i think we kind of knew that going into the season you know, obviously Tina Charles was a little bit of a shocker to a degree, 
But I mean, besides that, it was it was pretty clear um, after adding Leilani and Tina that not much was going to happen after that mark. Uh, Connecticut Sun they cleared up what they already kind of set up early on during the offseason with Dewana Bonner and the Brian January moves. Um, pretty much, you know, there wasn't much room for them to really sign or bring anybody new on. That being said, you know me, huge Juicy Landrum fan. Really hope she gets a chance on a different mm-hmm. roster. Um, I'm still standing by my pick, and it would be an even hotter, better take that because I believe she's the steal of this draft. And just think about it: if she doesn't play this season, and maybe comes in next season or the season after and wins like the Ben Simmons style uh, Rookie of the Year. Shout out to myself for the only NBA reference I've ever made that I think was, I was accurate. That's the only time I've ever heard you say something accurate about the NBA. (laughs) So, yeah, like how great would that be? I'd be all about that. Moving down to the Indiana Fever, I kind of felt like they already made the roster that was set. I mean, that, you know, I I, that's kind of, I just feel like they already knew what was going to happen. Yeah, they had a couple spots that it was like, maybe, maybe if you had a crazy camp, you could make a roster. But for the most part, I mean, and that kind of rings true with almost every team. Moving on to the Atlanta Dream, I mean, I feel like they were pretty much happy where they stood. They knew they had the ability after all their offseason moves to sign the the draftees that they wanted um, and to keep this roster young and do what they wanted to do. So I feel like they were kind of like, so what? Yeah, training not having training camp sucks, but uh, we got what we wanted and let's move forward. Um, one of the teams that I think, honestly, to a degree – benefited or did the most wheeling and dealing did the like got the best hands uh in an odd odd situation is the minnesota Lynx. obviously there's a little bit of hometown bias there but they shifted things so they could in essence not have to pick between a few of their players bantam an example dangerfield an example jess shepherd is an example kayla alexander is an example like there's a lot of players on this roster that i think going into the training camp quote-unquote cuts you know, we were thinking to ourselves, what does this mean? Is this, you know, who is this team going to pick? This team has some tough decisions to make. And then Odyssey Sims and Jess Shepard, my more obviously, uh, Temi and a few other moves really put them in a situation where they could keep everyone they wanted for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Moving I thought down. it was interesting that yeah. they were able to uh, temporarily suspend Odyssey Sims. Um, I didn't know that teams are going to be able to do that. Uh, because you know, it's just like, well, how, how are you temp? Like, do, I feel like the teams had to full season suspension players that were in Europe who at some point, maybe if it becomes more certain, maybe come, if traveling becomes easier, maybe if we know when the actual season is going to happen, they could have played, but they had to get suspended for the full season. So I was surprised that there was, they allowed temporary suspensions like that. Cause like, you know, I, I thought the whole point was you have to be able to pay all these players under the salary cap. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know why, why, how that was allowed. I was surprised by that. Um, but good. Yeah. Good on Minnesota for being able to do that. I think Indiana had a temporary suspension as well for um, Stephanie Mavunga, right? Yep. She was temporarily suspended. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I was surprised by that just like as a side note. I mean, should, should Ben, I want your opinion on this. Should we change uh the title from roster cuts to suspensions league wide yeah it was the this was really 
more of the sit out day, the, you know, the rolling out news of the sit outs. That was really what, you know, really the headline here. A lot of these players made these decisions for basically made these decisions for these teams. So as much as, of course, we want some of these players to get a chance in a training camp, so on and so forth. You know, a lot of these players opting to sit out, it wasn't maybe as eventful or as earth shattering as some people may have made it out to be. Or probably wanted it to be. But uh, let's move through. We're going we're gonna to touch on that in a little bit, the whole negotiations between teams and players to, to make that work. I want everyone's opinion on that. But before we get there, the Mercury, I mean, they cleared out for an already set roster, essentially. Um, I, there was nobody, nobody from there cutting um, that I looked at, and I was like, oh, wow, that was surprising or anything. I mean, for the most part, I don't think anything shocking really happened. Uh Seattle Storm cleared up to keep who they already had. The Sky made some made necessary moves, also cleared up to keep who they already had. The Wings, uh, excuse my language, I feel like we're dealt a shit card with no training camp. Um, this is just my opinion, and I've been stressing this from day one. Everyone liked to talk smack about Dallas and what they did, stockpiling draft picks, you know, releasing some of those draft picks to next year in 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 trades so that they could get more picks next year and kind of spread it out over the two years but also doing a good job of bringing in young talented players and a large amount of draft picks that being said i feel like if you're doing that you're hoping for a really aggressive a really competitive training camp where you can at least sit there and say you know what these two players have different positives about them but the way that this player is vibing with the team just fits our culture fits our style of play better we're going to go with them. They, in my opinion, were the, the team that really, we'll get into it later, but really got screwed by the uh, the current state of affairs. And then, last team in the league, the LA Sparks, had to make a move for the Diva. Um, they were able to uh, kind of view the Dallas Wings situation and make some work there. Very interesting, the amount of off-season movement or in just negotiations and talk that's going on between uh, the Dallas Wings and the LA Sparks, considering uh, Brian Agler went from the Sparks to the Wings. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. Let's move on now as we have touched upon every team. We got a few tough questions. And Ben, I'm going to hit you first with this one. What moves or moved surprised you most? Yeah, my first one, it, it happened a little earlier on, but Indiana cutting Camille Smalls. They ended up, for now, with Stephanie Mabunga suspended because she's hurt. For now, they have both Julie Aleman and Kathleen Doyle on the roster. I, I like Smalls more than either one of them. She's bigger. I think she can get to the rim and actually score a little bit more than the, the other two. So that's just one. It's kind of a case where, you know, just you look at, like, watched, I, you know, I watched a lot of Camille Smalls. I caught up a lot. I was pretty late to the game. I'm not going to pretend I had my plant, my flag planted on her, you know, for years and years, but watch her, watch her games like James Madison compared to some of these other players. You kind of wonder if it just becomes a pedigree thing. Like Doyle went to Iowa. It's close by. Aleman has the national team experience. I don't know. I, I just think this is kind of a case where maybe a small school player does get hurt just because they went to a small school. I have a wild theory about Aleman um, that, I really love Julie Alamon. Like, I, I disagree with you, actually. I think um, of those three guards, Alamon is the best to me because I've seen her do it 
at a at a higher level and i think that not a not a higher level but just like with real professional players um i've seen her perform great uh so i think that just kind of gets into you know what kind of experience you value but i think uh part of the reason perhaps um that julie alamond you know if all things were actually equal in their minds uh emma meeseman's gonna be a free agent next year and a very good friend of hers and on her national team is Julie Alamond. So uh, I think it's like, hey, if these players are equal and one of them, A, has experience and we're, we're more of an experienced team, we're not one of these liberties or dream that are, you know, looking to rebuild. I think Indiana is looking to kind of push forward and get to the playoffs. Um, if all those players are equal, I'm going to take the veteran and I'm going to take someone who kind of gives me a shot potentially at a free agent. I don't think Emma's ever leaving DC. If she plays in the WNBA, she's going to be in DC. But hell, I'd rather I'd rather have the shot at her and have someone on my team who's friends with her. Because as we've seen in every league across across uh, the professional sports, that's really important to signing players is having their friends on the team. Um, so yeah, I I I really love Julie Alamond. But even if um, Small is a little bit better, I w- I would have stuck with Alamond. I mean, my, my take on that is I definitely agree. I think it's a I, – I personally, and I use Diamond of Shields as a great example. Obviously, there's bad examples as well. But overseas and national team, I kind of group overseas and national team together to a degree. It's so and, – and people will call me crazy about this or people will say, oh, you're so right. But it's so much more beneficial for the growth of a player than college basketball. I mean – you pick the teams you play in college basketball to a degree. For me, college basketball doesn't mean anything, and you know who this is coming from, the guy who does not pay attention to college basketball unless it pertains to the W. But for me, until you're talking tournament, why why am I even caring what you've done in college ball? I know that there's reasons why that statement is outlandish and wrong. That's just my take. I'll, I'll take a player with two years of overseas or, or national team commitment experience over a slightly higher ranked uh ncaa player any day any day uh gabe what, what about you what, what move surprised you um a little move that surprised me was the fact that alina Coates was waived for like two weeks and we only found that out yesterday um that was surprising because you would think when someone gets waived we would know about it, but hey, this is the WNBA. At least we know everyone who got waived and like everyone who got suspended. Good on, good on the league. We got, we got enough information. I'll give them the credit right now. Um, but the move that surprised me, and this is uh, something that's really due to the circumstances of where we're at, is uh, Marine Johannes staying in France. Um, I she's uh, she doesn't have any obligations like Han Zhu does. I think she um, may have been worried about the travel, the timing. The fact that, you know, it could run into her season with Leon and all the, you know, she had a lot of considerations there, but it was just surprising to me because New York is really in on her being a part of the future. Like they gave her uh, above minimum, above minimum, minimum contract for two years to be on this team. And they really see her as their, um, maybe not necessarily their starting two guard of the future, but a big part of their future in terms of a score and someone they really love to watch. And I think it really fits in with their vision. So it was just surprising to me that, you know, they couldn't assure her enough or they couldn't or, or whatever happened. I'm not sure. Right. But it just feels like 
it's a huge loss to not only the Liberty, but to our league that we're missing a, a very exciting player who people um, got a taste of last year. And I think this happened with Chechi Zandalasini uh, entering last year as well as, you know, we just kind of, she got lost in the shuffle. She had an ankle injury, couldn't come over. Circumstances dictated that. And um, I just, you know, I was surprised by it. I really, I was really, really, really in on Marine in New York. And I think they were too. And I think, you know, everything that happens, happens, but it was still surprising. Yeah, no, I agree with those takes, especially because, I mean, I know you've been watching Johannes for, for a while. You've been on, you've been on the, the Johannes hype train. So uh, mm-hmm. I hear where you're coming from on that. Yeah, the Atlanta Coats thing is just freaking ridiculous. Like, come on, guys. Um, for me, I, I think for the most part, all none of the moves shocked me. Uh, I think we're kind of all hitting the same thing. Like, none of it was shocking. Um, but I, as I touched on before, I think Lynx did a great job of working the system uh, and making tough choices that kind of they didn't really necessarily have to make in the end that we kind of all assumed that there was all these tough choices they were going to have to make. Um, and they finagled the system to, so I guess I'm surprised that we didn't see a surprising cut come from the links, I guess. So I'm surprised there wasn't a surprise. Um, <laughs> and then the wings just getting screwed over in my opinion. Um, let's move it on to our next of the tough questions. Who got cut that should make a roster starting off with you, Ben. Yeah, I'll go with Megan Huff in Connecticut. I think mm-hmm. everybody needs, everybody's looking for bigs that can shoot. You know, Megan's about 6'2". It'd be great if she were 6'4". Obviously, because she's a little bigger. So she's probably, she's probably just a four. But, you know, she's kind of a player where we didn't have an NCAA tournament this year. Well, the year before that, her senior year at Utah, their team just fell apart because they were hurt. And that's, you know, people were asking coaches and executives questions about the tournament a lot this year. You know, that was a player who I think if people actually watched her, that, that people would be talking about her a little more. Uh, just, she can put it on the floor. She can block some shots like that. Just, you know, she's athletic enough. She can really shoot it. It's, I think that's somebody that belongs. And, and for Connecticut, I guess we're really, you're pitting her against Bree Jones. Right. And I think that also kind of has to tie in with what they're looking at from Teresa Plaisance. If you think Plaisance can play, I don't really know if I don't really see how like Plaisance and Jones are playing a lot together. You know, Huff's a different kind of player. She's she's younger. She's gonna be cheaper for a while on her minimum deal. So that that'd be the one. But I guess you know I'd figure Connecticut would just say, hey, we're comfortable with Bree Jones. We haven't seen Megan, and that's maybe one of the cases where you just kind of say, hey, if we got to see her in camp, maybe we would have thought differently. Is there is there a team that comes to mind when you say her name that you're like, I would like to see her on this team or I could see her going to this team? Well, right right now it's so tough because everyone has pretty much made made their decisions. You know, Vegas is the team of the roster spot. I wouldn't hate that, right? They need somebody that can shoot. You can plug her in. Uh, you know, looking at the other teams, I don't see – one doesn't really pop out that I like a lot more than than Connecticut. I think that would have been really good for a good fit for her on court. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting aspect too of like what is the waiver wire going to look like on whatever season we end up having. You know how is that going to work as far as the signings or whatever? Because I, I, there's just a different feel about this season, um, just as far as what's happening to the people who don't make a team. 
just because I think the uncertainty of overseas players coming in and, and things like that. Um, it's interesting that how that some teams have chosen to go the young route versus in a possibly or likely condensed season. The you know there's a good argument to be made where let's go with a proven vet who we know what we're getting. Yeah, we're not getting as high a ceiling. We're not getting that same what if or mystery box as I like to call it that we could get from a younger player. But we're get what we know what we're getting. Um, and I feel like in a possibly condensed season, we're more likely to see a little bit more of that. Uh, moving on to you, Gabe. Who got cut? Who uh, you'd like to see make a roster? Who I'd like to see make a roster? You feel um, sure. Who I, who I feel should? I think Rashonda Gray will. Um, I think, you know, in in Vegas, uh, like Ben was mentioning, I think they need another big. I think they need someone in the rotation because, you know, they're really, really thin um, down there. And then you all know what you're going to get from a uh, former GM, former assistant GM, former front office person, uh, Carolyn Swords. Um <laughs> And her and her and her brief retirement, but um, you know, I think she'll probably make a roster. I think I'm with you, Ari. I'll let you talk about Juicy Landrum because uh, I believe her. I believe in her shooting more than I believe in anything else. Um, but really, the person I want to bring up is someone who got waived uh, quite a long time ago. Is Kayla Davis? Uh, I really like uh, her skill set. I know she was bad last year. Uh, I think she. Pro- I think she had the worst PIPM in the league, um, which is not good. And that's probably why she got cut. But I think she has a skill set that um, can fit on pretty much any team. I want a wing that can, you know, put the ball on the floor, do some do some damage defensively, and just be um, decent enough. Obviously, last year she did not do that. That's why she's not currently in the league. But I think I think uh, Kayla Davis can help someone. I'm not sure she's going to get that opportunity this year. We'll see how the bubble situation works. But I could see her in a normal season being a midseason signing. But I do think. Um, of all the players that got cut, Rashawn the Gray is the most likely to be on a roster by the time the season opens, whenever that is. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you've said. Um, speaking of Juicy, I mean, Juicy's one of those players, uh, Ben touched on this a moment ago, where people just not getting the, ex- the exposure. I was going to try and get a fancy word going there. The exposure of the NCAA tournament and what that can do to your value to these WNBA teams. I think Juicy Landrum is a perfect example of that. We saw her show up in big games in the past. We've seen her throughout her career just be big, big shots. She's a player who's not afraid to put it down. Her, honestly, her assist skill set level is much higher than people give her credit for. And I just think in general, she's a player who everyone talks about her shooting, but her composure her speed control, these other intangibles and and these other skill sets that she has just put her beyond, in my mind, a lot of other players. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. I almost feel like she's being judged because of the team that she's coming from and some of the big names that have been on there. I almost feel like she's getting judged like she came from a small school, which I know that makes no sense. Um, but I hope somebody listening, at least one person, gets what I'm saying. I think she's someone who got cut who should make a roster. If I'm a team that needs that needs a young upside player who can put the ball, the bottom of the basket, a lot, uh, she's the person that I'm picking. So, yeah. Um, I did want to yeah. ask, uh, I want to bring up this point to get both your thoughts on it. Like, 
if you're a team, uh, and obviously this is all situation dependent, um, but let's say you're the Aces. Let's talk about the Aces roster spot. Like, I just want to ask you guys, like, are you, if you were Bill Lambeer, would you be picking a young a young player that you can hopefully have some control over going forward? Or are you going to pick a veteran who is more likely to help you this year? You want to go Ben or should I go first? For, yeah, for them, I, it's, you know, one, it's just, you know, we don't know, like what every team probably has a few trade scenarios that they're monitoring that they've at least, you know, somewhat gone through like the numbers and, and just that they're keeping on their radar players they'd like to pursue. So on, on one hand, I just wonder if they're just going to wait till the very last minute to, you know, if they, we get word that a season's going to start, well then, okay, let's get a 12th player that might be useful. But if we're just in this period here, maybe you just, it's probably, it might be better to just wait and say, hey, can we? Maybe there's a two for one trade that happens, something like that, where it just it makes it easier to just leave that spot open for now. I I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. I think though, in regards to kind of the crux of the question, I think it's Bill Lambier, and he's going to do classic Bill Lambier stuff and bring in not necessarily just former New York Liberty players, but Players, but mostly, with, but my, yeah, but mostly. I mean, what? Well, we're, well, we, I, for a while, I was joking. I think this is the last time Ben was on a pod a long time ago. We were joking that like, what the the aces are just the liberty of the West Coast or something like that, or the liberty of the desert. Um, I mean, and and it also ironic that they put the aces jersey on Lady Liberty in New York or in uh, Las Vegas. I found that hilarious and symbolic. But no, I think I mean he's going to go with an older player because I mean you already look at this roster. There's already enough young players on this roster that, to a degree, I think many people might overshadow and not think about Kelsey Plum being a young player, or Asia Wilson being as young as she is, or even Kayla McBride. Like, there's a lot of players that, yes, they've been in the league for more than two seasons, but that being said, they're still growing. They're Like, I know we've talked off-air about this. These are 34-game seasons, and if you get to the playoffs, I mean, you're still likely, you're still not even going to hit. 50 game season so like the amount that you really see true growth in these players during a WNBA season there is growth but I think for the most part he's going to want to go with someone where he knows what he's getting and he can kind of plug them into this roster because he's our, his hands are already full to a degree you know doing player development for players who are still in the upswing of their career Gabe did that answer your question yes it does yes it does thank you I would, oh, let, me, let me give my answer. I, I would favor a uh, a veteran. I mean, I just want as much information right now as I possibly can get because we have no idea what when the season's going to start, let alone um, what these players are going to look like when that starts. So the more information I have a player on a player, the more likely I am to pick them up. Well, oh, so let me let me also put an asterisk next to mine. That's what I feel like they will do as far as what I would do. I'd go and get Juicy Landrum. I, I mean, I, I would go get a player who just has the ability to shoot more. I would focus that last roster spot on maybe it's a wild card. Maybe it's a mystery box. Maybe it's a player that, you know, we don't know. Obviously, I just stated that in like three different forms. But I just think kind of rolling the dice to address the the hole in this team that we've all talked about throughout this whole offseason, um, the shooting and not just, you know, clogging the paint more. I, to me, at least, maybe 
positionally it doesn't make sense. But to me, that's what I would do because, heck, I think this team could compete for a championship just based off of this 11-person roster. So, like, why not address one of your issues uh, with that 12th roster spot? So, yeah. Uh, let's move on to another one of these tough questions. What team do we feel was most hampered by this form of roster cuts? Uh, Gabe, I'll let you go first and then Ben. Um, yeah, this was hard for me because, you know, I, I think um, everyone kind of made um, the decisions you'd expect them to make. For me, it's probably uh, the, the Mercury. Uh, when you look at what they had lined up for um, training camp, they had like they had a bunch of uh, veterans. They had a bunch of European players that they were going to try to take flyers on in training camp. But I think they were really relying on training camp to figure out who can make this team because they have depth concerns to me still. Like they have to go with the eleven players. They're the back of their bench is really young. Uh, they did a good job getting Shatori Walker Kimbrough, but uh, you know she's not she's not like a huge huge difference maker. So you kind of want someone else to, you know, pick up some more of that slack and see what you got. And I, I think like Olivia Pupa, for example, maybe she really impresses, maybe she makes the roster and maybe she gives you something during the season, especially if Skylar gets hurt, if Diana gets hurt, or just to spell those people to keep them ready for the playoffs. So to me, Phoenix was one of those teams uh, along with Connecticut that was really relying on training camp to find out more about these veterans that have played in Europe that have played elsewhere um, to find out more about them. And I don't think, I think they get um, really screwed here because that, that was what they were relying on. And, you know, you can, you know a lot more about draft picks than you do about, you know, a, a player that is coming from um, Europe, just because you have all the stats, you have their coaches, you talk, you see them all year um, with players coming with veterans coming back it's kind of harder to project how they're going to perform in the WNBA. It's kind of harder to project, you know, what their health is, what their state of mind is, how they perform, how they would perform in the role you're going to give them, which is usually at the end of the bench. So I, I think they really got hampered along with uh, Connecticut, but I won't go all into Connecticut stuff. Ben, break it down. I got to push back on Gabe. I don't buy it with Phoenix. Who are they actually going to cut? I mean, if anything, they did this to themselves, not leaving enough room for a 12th. You get, you know, you gave a backup guard, asterisk on the backup a max and then you gave a center you know a big contract who's been out of the league for a year but who's gonna get cut you know with the 11 that they already have of the 11 that they kept oh i don't i I don't think like like i said though like in in like i said i don't think any of any of them would have got cut i just think they would have liked to have had the opportunity to um check in on olivia pupa for example That, that that to me is one of the players that i was really excited for for her to come over in camp they also had some other European players that are not on my list right now, so I don't want to say someone who's wrong. Um, but I think they could have cut, you know, Shatori. Not they just they just trade they just traded for her, obviously, but they Shatori could have been gone. You know, uh, Alana Smith, Sophia Sophie Cunningham. Someone could have been cut. I don't think they would have. But I'm just saying, like, as a team, I'm really disappointed that I don't get that information. Not just for this season, but for next season going forward like I want to see these players in front of me for a week because then I know I have more tangible information so I know if I want to bring them back for another training camp or sign them in the future so it's not so much of oh I think you know they they should have taken her they could have taken her over Shatori 
but just the fact that we didn't get to see them battle and see if this player is actually a WNBA caliber player is harmful to their future, especially like you said, with their books being what they are. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, I think it's, it's a fair, it's certainly fair criticism. Like I don't think the, anyone gets cut, but I do think you're missing out on a lot of information that you were banking on as a team, as a franchise going forward. Yeah, so I, if if we don't disagree there, then I guess I would just say like I was going to bring this up later, but hey, like you know, maybe ask Kiavon to take a little bit of a pay cut and just yes. have to give yourself enough room to keep a twelfth player. I think that's where I, where I would steer it. <laughs> but then we're talking about Phoenix, like you know, Phoenix doesn't exactly have a track record of like, hey, yeah, we're going to take this young player and really develop them, right? They just keep cycling through vets mm-hmm. year after year after, and this is gonna this is gonna bite them eventually. I admire them wanting to win with Diana Taurasi every, you know, they, you know, it takes guts to do that year after year after year, but like you have to, they have to toe this line a little bit better. They just have to get more out of some of these young players. Cause in five years from now, you're still going to be good with Brittany Griner and Skylar Diggins Smith. But if you don't value some of these young, these chances with young players, then what are you going to have left when that's, when well, that's your core? That's my big question about Phoenix for, for a long time now, which sounds ridiculous, but like, at what point do you say, okay, our style of play is not going to be completely orchestrated around Diana Taurasi. Like, I think I would argue this, and I would like to think that some basketball minds would agree with me, that one of the things that really damaged them this past season was how focused their game planning was built around Diana Taurasi. The whole style of play was around Diana Taurasi. And then when she's out, there wasn't a viable backup plan, a backup option. It was almost like, let's try and plug in some other players or play a little bit different so that, we can spotlight Dwana Bonner, spotlight Brittany Griner. But at what point does this team finally make the step that is, you know what? Diane is amazing, but she's going to be the icing on the cake. She's not going to be, you know, the angel food of our cake. That's just my thought. But uh, let's mm. kick it back. Let's kick it angel back. Cake. <laughs> let's kick it back, Ben. Who do you think? Uh, what team was most hampered by this former roster cuts? I just, I just said Connecticut and one, I don't think like I couldn't really think of a close second place team. Cause then, you know, again, like most of the top players in, in these conversations ended up sitting out both Connecticut. I think there was real competition to have there. They were another team that just didn't have room for the 12th. And I don't think, you know, that isn't as they're a case where I don't think that's really their fault. And then compared to like a Phoenix who probably it's fair to ask why they didn't do a better job, uh, you know, leaving that space open, but Connecticut, I, I guess I just kind of wonder, maybe it was going to be Kyla Charles' spot all along. You know, you mentioned Juicy Landrum was, could she really have even pushed Kalina Mosqueda Lewis or was, is she just going to get that spot? Cause Hey, she's a vet. We traded for her. So you don't want to just cut her right away. And the, Oh yeah. She went to UConn and like, she wanted, mm-hmm. she did play like a bench role for Seattle, at least in the regular, you know, a big bench role in the regular season for Seattle when they won. So, Maybe that spot wasn't really attainable either, and I mentioned I talked about Huff already, and I don't, you know, may, whether or not Bree Jones would have been pushed. So I, I think there's at least one spot that was kind of in theory up for grabs there, but maybe maybe it was just going to be Kyla Charles all along. Yeah, no, I hear that. Well, I, I got two teams for me. Uh, Dallas, as I touched on earlier, I just think they got screwed in this sense because they had stockpiled a lot of people. I, I mean, the jokes all off season was like hey, the Dallas Wings A team and the Dallas Wings B team. Like, they literally basically had two rosters on their roster for a point. 
during this offseason. So I just think that this was a team that was really banking on the fact that they could use that time of training camp to really figure out who they wanted, who fit the systems, who Brian Agler truly liked for this team. Um, that being said, there's definitely some shade I could throw towards this team. And and mm-hmm. just in the sense, in, in many ways, people would argue. But honestly, I'm just thinking about the fact that like you brought in a coach, and I talk about this all the time, who is best in his own words at getting a team whose spin whose tires are spinning and get them moving out of the mud moving forward. That's no longer what this team was. When they had Liz Cambage and Skyler, that's what this team was. When they lost Liz and they had Skyler, that's kind of what this team was. Now that they've lost Skyler, that's not what this team is anymore. And the question now becomes, you know, Brian Agler's strong suit, is it developing young players or creating a completely new, you know, style of team to work and that will succeed better than it has in the past. And again, that's a knock that's not necessarily a knock towards him. That's just a matter of fact and kind of figuring out how this team can move forward and reshape itself to really grow. Uh that's the question I have for that team. And speaking of Brian Agler, let's talk can we, about LA. Can we stay on, can we stay on yeah. Dallas? Yeah, go for it. What 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 made this 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 decision so extraordinary for them compared to other seasons. I didn't. I don't really see how that how that was the case. They had to choose between Christina Nigue and you know the other. It was probably two for three spots, right? With Marina Mabry and Megan Gustafson. What, what? Yeah. I don't. What about that was so you know excruciating above just kind of what we see year after year? Well, granted, that's true. Um, but I I would say that like having you know. The Megan having Megan battle it out with Anigwe having you like I don't know I mean I just I view it as they had a lot of players that at least in my mind are very equal say on the same tier as far as skill set and what they've done in this league. Now they might view them differently in tiers. I just think that they're very much so looking at things in the sense of oh you know we kind of had this person a little bit higher the like. I don't, looking at their roster, I had a lot of people battling it out. Not necessarily that anybody who is on the roster now wasn't going to be on the roster. I mean, obviously, one of the Samuelsons was going to go. Uh, you could argue that it, maybe at some point both of them are going to go. But I, I just think there's a lot more opportunity for movement on this roster just because of how fluid it's been over the past years of not having any of that star power and, and now just having Arike and, and really no one else. Like, Besides Arike, is anybody else truly, truly set in this roster besides Satu? Uh, Astu. Astu, Astu, yeah, that's a good point. Astu, 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 Astu Dor. Um, sure, a, 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 a lot of people in this roster are set. I mean, Kayla Thornton is a, Kayla Thornton's a starter. She's a really good player. Mariah Jefferson, yeah. if she's going to be healthy and show up, she's a good player. There's obviously an asterisk there. Maybe they are worried about her health. Alicia Gray is a good rotation rotation player. That, you know, they really value Bella Allery. She was going to make it. And Katie Lou, they had to give up Azrae Stevens. They, I mean, I, I don't see a world where they're going to cut her after making that transaction. It's so, like, just, I just think it kind of came down to those last couple. And, and, and I, I, Ari, I think you were right to just say, like, it's, it's funny that everyone wanted, wanted to make them a punching bag. Like, what's wrong with, you know, when you have the option to, you know, build a big list of players to come to camp. What's wrong with that? And the, the way it played out, like it, it took a pretty normal, uh, it was a pretty normal sequence of events. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think my big my biggest gripe with Dallas all off season has been a lack of like a very a certain plan. You know, I think uh, that's why I said Mer- the Mercury in Connecticut they had a plan that involved train getting training camp information. Maybe not those players because, like Ben's saying, like this is not like above and beyond a, a normal season. You like you still have twelve players, um, but it's that it, to me the problem with Dallas was just like there was a, a lack of a plan. Like it just, they made a bunch of moves that I think were pretty decent. Um, the only one I didn't really like was the Taylor Hill uh, trade because, you know, they could have cut her and still had plenty of cap space, but you know, that's just me. So I it just like, to me, it was like, there was no plan. So I don't feel bad that they didn't have to get a training camp because I'm not sure what the plan was. Cause I'm, I'm not sure where, you know, I'm not sure who's like ma- creating this idea. Like, Oh, we need, uh, we need to grab Christina Nigue. Oh no, no, we need to grab Marina Mabry. Oh, we got to get back that second round pick. Oh, we got to, you know, sign Megan Gustus. Like, you know, it was just kind of all over the place. So I don't feel, I don't think uh, Dallas really um, got screwed too bad because, you know, didn't really have too much of a, in my opinion, too much of a plan to begin with. I've, well, I've about- actually seen that. I've seen that sentiment a lot. And I think that's interesting. I don't know if this is a, it's a standalone episode, but like, I see the plan, like the, their plan. We're going to put Arike off the ball. We need to get Arike Gumbawale off the ball to make her life easier. They got two point guards. Done. Arike didn't have much help. Their offense wasn't good. Like, they didn't have enough options. Satu Sabli is going to be a number two scorer. I don't think there's a lot of question there. And they got more shooting on the roster. Marina Mabry, Katie Lou, uh, Bella Allery, eventually, if not right away, Astu Du as your stretch four, stretch five. Like they execute, Satu Sabli is going to shoot. Like they they executed a plan. Like they they got a lot better on offense. They're versatile. They're big, and they you know they they wanted to get Arike off ball, and they accomplished that. Like I, I I think it's pretty clear what they wanted to do and that they did it. Oh, that that all right. We're talking about Dallas in the standalone episode. I like it. <laughs> no, because no, because like look, I I think we all have three very different opinions on it. I kind of have stuck in between you two. So I'll, I'll play mediator on that one um, and just kind of let the, the smarter talking heads talk it out. The other team, and I want your guys' take on this, this might be, and I have to put an asterisk next to it, but just talking about LA with the whole trade, um, which to me I view it as, oh, Vidiva isn't coming over this season, so we need to get a big, and we'd rather take a big who has one-year experience versus a rookie. Um, I kind of view them as, as, you know, with this whole situation, uh, I'm not, you know, the whole Vidiva thing kind of screwed them over. Cause let's be real. It's a big downgrade to go from Vidiva to Anigua. Anybody? In, in theory, um, they're in a, I mean, they're in a pretty tough spot because, you know, they've tethered themselves to Chinea Gumake and she's going to, she's going to be the first big off the bench. Right. So Maria Vidiva is good, but if she's your fourth big, she's playing what? 10 minutes a game. Like it's really hard. It's really hard to be good if that's all. Like if that's all the run you're getting, it, like so. And that and that's and you know, Chanae's good in that role too. So it's just it's just tough when you have direct competition. And that was probably part of the onus with what they did with Kalani Brown. But it's just your fourth big. Okay, they're gonna play a little bit, and you know they responded to the news from Vadiva and they went and took a. You know, I think they took how, a good flyer on somebody. How much do you think her growth is hampered? Because of the building, uh, the build of this Sparks roster since she's been on the team. 
that's tough to say, right? You know, a lot of people like to say, well, you go overseas and you get better. I don't know how I, you know, I don't really think that's true for everyone, right? Because you're not playing mm-hmm. the same role and the competition isn't as good. So, you know, in some cases it, it still can be good, but also like the coach doesn't, isn't beholden to care what your role in the WNBA is, right? They might ask you to do something completely different. It So it, it probably does hurt, you know, because she's not getting a ton of reps at the highest level, but I, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I totally believe in Vadiva as like a go-to option as, you know, like a number two scorer. I think, you know, a third, being a third big might kind of be her destiny. I don't know how it's, it, it's, it's tough. They have two really good starters, right? So just like, it's, yeah. you just, you, you can only find playing time for so many players. The, the problem is having too much talent. So that's a good problem to have, you know? Classic. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. I don't need, I don't need to actually say more about the, the sparks. I think you guys hit everything. All right, cool. Well, let's move on to the last question that I sprung on you guys right before we started this episode. Focusing on this year versus long term, could it hurt teams? What comes to mind, guys? Uh, Gabe, you go first. Um, well, so there's a couple things. Um, I think the draft picks, a lot of them got cut. Uh, I think that was going to happen anyways. Um, again, you know, I think I value some things maybe more um, than other people, but I really want some organizational knowledge on these players and having them come to training camp would have given me some of that. And then would have given me a relationship, right? Like the coaches get to talk to them, they get to be in the, the meetings, whatever, whatever. Um, so that, that I think is a potential for a long-term hit. I think a lot of these teams, um, you know, Ben said earlier in the pod, like uh, those, a lot of players made decisions for teams. And I don't know how true that is. I don't know how much, the decisions for let's say let's say uh, a Mate Cazorla, let I'm not sure how much that decision was all hers, right? I mean, it's her story to tell, and hopefully, you know, she could she could tell us more about that. Maybe she, it was about the travel or whatever, but maybe it was about Atlanta saying, "Look, if you come over, um, we're looking at the roster, and you're you probably are not going to make the team. Do you want to? Do you mind if we suspend you and then push you?" you know, and, and bring you back next year. And maybe they worked out a deal, but that affects a relationship with a player and that affects how you're able to, you know, promise things to players. Obviously this is an unprecedented situation and you'd hope people would understand where teams are coming from, but I could see a situation where as a team, maybe you, you know, maybe you don't communicate in the exact way a player wants. Maybe you don't, uh, you're not as upfront as they would like you to be. And then when that player is a free agent or it, or maybe even as a player in Europe, they just say, you know what? I'm not going back. If I'm in Europe, I'm just going to stay here. I can make more money here. I can live closer to my family. I don't have to go to the U.S. And I don't like the way you guys treated me. And I'm not saying that's what's happened with Cazorla or Johannes or Hans or, or anybody. But to me, it just strikes me as um, a huge risk when you're telling people, okay, we're going to suspend you. Okay, we're going to, you know, we have to waive you because of X, Y, and Z, despite us telling you that you would get a tryout. Like, yeah, you'd hope they understand. But if I'm a player and this is my livelihood, I'm not sure I'm going to understand. So those two are, are those two areas are where I see long-term effects are teams losing out on information on draft picks that may have likely been cut anyways and uh, potentially harming relationships with European players going forward and potentially exposing those players to new teams that they may want to play with. So those are the long-term effects I see. I, I agree with everything you just said, Ben. Anything? 
Well, but for for a player, if you want to if you want to pursue your other options, or if you want to know, you know, if you just want to get cut if it comes to that, so you can talk to other teams, then just say you're going to show up, right? I, like I don't see why that's really complicated, because the the team can't just say we're going to suspend you with no reason. They can't. So the you know the player has to the player has to take that path if that's what they're going to do. But if you want to if you want to see test your market or just get out of your out of your contract, whatever, then just say I'm coming, right? And then the the team has to make that decision. Yeah, no, I I understand that, but it's not like that's not as cut and dry, you know. Like I think we we on the outside, um, I think we just forget how much those relationships matter, and, and that's what this whole game is about, right? Like, yeah, as Matt Tekasorla, right? You could say, oh, I'm coming over, right? And you're not planning to come over, but you just want them to waive you so you can go get another get a look with another team going forward and not have to deal with the contract or go back to Atlanta or whatever. But at the end of the day, you don't want to do that, right? Like these are people you work with. These are people you ostensibly care about. Um, so you'd rather them just say, hey, we want you to come over and we want you to be on the team. If you come over, you're going to be on the team. But it, it, obviously this is all a lot of speculation. But if a team tells you, hey, we're going to waive you if you come over or we're going to suspend you and you're sitting there saying, well, I'm probably not going to come over anyways. You guys can suspend me. But you're still feeling like, wow, you guys were gonna, you guys were gonna wave me, like that. That feels shitty. Um, there's and, twelve. There's twelve spots. There's only twelve spots. That's I understand, we're but we're we're all humans, right? Like if Arya is like, oh, we only have twelve spots on Windsider, and Gabe, you didn't make the cut. Like I love you as a friend, and we're a good but and we're good buddies. Like I'm still gonna be mad at Arya. I'm not gonna want to go back to Windsider. You know, not that that would ever happen, right? Yeah, no but that, I mean that's that's where as a that's where as a player you can get railroaded if you're gonna worry if you're gonna prior if we're down the road with this hypothetical where you're gonna prioritize the team that's gonna wave you anyway. There's eleven other teams. Like if you want to play, if you think someone else will sign you, and you and you do have the desire to commit to the 2020 season, then say it. You know, it's just it's you know you can get a, get into a lot of hypotheticals with this and. You know, if teams kind of get into the gray area of making promises, obviously that that can go in the wrong direction fast. But it's just like if, you know, if you want to bet on yourself, if you want to commit to the 2020 season, like if you're in that spot, you know, just say you're showing up and, and you can, you in theory would actually have a chance to at least just get a chance to talk to other teams. No, I feel that. I feel that. I mean, I, maybe, maybe I just, uh, again, you know, I think it's just the way I think about um the front office maneuvering, but um, I could see it becoming a huge problem. I mean, not, not necessarily with Matt. And I do want to make clear, I do not know anything about what happened with Kazorla or the dream or what that conversation was like. I just want to make that very clear. I do not know, have any information on that, but to me, it's just, it's gonna, it could come back to bite you in the ass, especially if it's a player that you like. Um, and it's a player that you want on the team. And it's now that the fact that you have to tell them, Hey, look, uh, you know, we're not sure if we want, if you can come over, we're not sure if you can play. We're not sure if you're going to have to go back for your European season. Um, that all hurts. That all hurts a relationship. And I'm with you. I'm with you. Like players can bet on themselves, but at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all human. Yeah, no, I agree. It's both sides of the coin. Uh, it's an interesting debate. And, uh, I think we've, We've brought out a few uh, a few topics of the woodworks for a few future episodes that will obviously get a little heated, and that's what the fans want. That's what they've been clamoring for. As we always say, we believe the players of the W and its community 
deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do. Thanks for joining us.